Welcome to Short Course, episode 102 for May 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week on the podcast, I want to pick up where I left off last week, which is going over the stages from what feels like quite a while ago now, the, the Bluegrass Low Cap match just a few weeks ago up at Bluegrass Sportsman's League in Kentucky. Uh, I did get a chance to, to shoot Area 6 this past weekend. I was there on the range for three days did as much as I could to, to help clean up after the match, but figured as long as I was there, I might as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, address that in future episodes. But my notes tell me this will be another another one pushing the time limit, so let's dive right in. So stage seven was, as I mentioned in, in my overall episode, this was the, the fixed time stage. So it was, it was set up as a, a long rectangular shooting area where you started all the way at the left or right end and basically from either end of the shooting area there were four targets that you could shoot one that was sort of a diagonal long shot one that was a a straight on medium distance shot and then a a double stack that was a short distance and then moving across to the middle there were two targets where you basically could see only from the middle of the shooting area and then the to the right side of the shooting area it was the same as the left mirrored and the fixed time was uh, something like nine seconds, nine and a half seconds, something like that. And watching some people shoot it the day before, and then watching some people on the the squad ahead of us shoot it, there were there were a few schools of thought. So basically, it seemed like really stretching to try and get all twenty shots in the in the nine and a half seconds. Even even high level guys were struggling with that. Now. The guy who ended up winning the stage, Elias Frangoulis, did get 19 shots off. So I don't know if that 20th one was a, a, a mic and he got 20 shots off or the time expired right as he was going to fire that second shot. I don't know. But looking at it, I, I had a pretty good sense that 18 shots was doable. And so my thought was looking at the stage, basically, so as I as I mentioned, from that start position, you had four targets available. One was was kind of an angled far shot. One was that medium straight on shot, and then the, the double stack. And you could see all but that last far angled shot. You could see all of those from without being all the way at the edge of the shooting area. And so the plan that I that I came up with was to draw from you know that that start position, take all of those four targets, and then reload on the way to the middle take the the two targets in the middle and then the three that I could see on the right side of the stage without going all the way to the to the end of it. And so that basically broke down to shooting eight shots and then 10 shots. So because it was a 20 round stage, if you wanted to shoot all 20, you would have to either reload in the middle of that middle array of two targets or you'd have to stick two reloads. And neither of those seemed particularly appealing to me. And so I think given, certainly given my skill level and the the results that I shot, that was definitely the right plan for me. Now, as it was, I was so focused on achieving that speed that the points suffered quite badly. So I, of those 18 shots that I did end up hanging on, on paper, uh, eight were alphas, eight were Charlies and two were deltas. And the, the two deltas were just they weren't on the far shots. They were on close, wide open targets. I was just not being patient. And and if you watch the video, you can see I had about half a second after my last shot where I start to transition to the last target, more out of habit than anything. I only had one bullet in the gun and I couldn't see the target anyway. But it, it was definitely, I think the 18 shots, if I could have, if I could have actually collected, you know, made those deltas 
Charlies and made a bunch of the Charlies alphas, then I think that definitely was was the right strategy. Now, all of that said, as I said on the the original recap podcast, I this was this was my least favorite stage, just in the sense that I actually I I, I like being challenged. I liked the the way the stage was set up. I liked the fact that it encouraged sort of taking risk by how you how how much you moved across the middle, how much you set up for those middle targets, and the fact that it involved some of the farthest shots in the match. And so to me, if you know, if it were my preference, it would have just been a, a Comstock 20 round stage. And I probably would have shot eight, reload four, reload eight, and just taken taken the the long shots and let the gun settle enough to to get the alphas. And I mean, I get it. So, I mean, my understanding is the idea of fixed time in the scoring is really meant more for the old school style of standards, where the idea is you're not necessarily trying to push the shooter for time. That's certainly the way fixed time is used even on classifiers now. You know, if you look at the, the fixed time classifiers, the part times are pretty sporty, where I think if I were to try and set up a, a fixed time stage and do something interesting with it, the, the fixed time would be long enough that you wouldn't have to necessarily rush, but you just wouldn't be able to take all day. Something like draw and shoot six shots in five seconds at, you know, 30 yards or something like that. So it would be enough that that we really would be able to distinguish. You would you would be scored on points. So it, it's basically like a very a, a timed bullseye match in the sense that you're, you're basically getting points for whatever ring your targets hit. But ultimately the the point of fixed time was to say, well, everybody has the same amount of time. How accurate can you be within that time limit? And I, I mean, to be honest, I, I would like to see something like that. I, I think shooting accurately at distance, even outside of a stage context is, is fun. I enjoyed doing that. I set it up a few times a year in practice and I think it's a good skill to have. And so I'd, I'd like to see fixed time used in that way, if at all. But to me, this, this style of, field course. And again, I know it started with at nationals, they did like a 12 round fixed time stage where you had enough time to shoot all the targets. But, but this, this sort of style of stage where you, you basically pick and choose which targets to shoot, uh, to, to me is not the most interesting. I get that. It's like I said, kind of popular. It's kind of a in vogue right now, but to me, I would rather just, Hey, here are all the targets you have to shoot, decide how to shoot them, decide what the, what the trade-offs are, not which ones do you want to shoot. But that's it is what it was. I think it was a fine stage. I don't really think it swung the outcome of the match hugely. I think it definitely a lot of people either shot 16 or 18 shots and and ended up having roughly roughly similar scores. So it's not like it bugged the heck out of me or anything, but it just walking up, everybody was talking about it. And I just everybody was like, oh, isn't this interesting? And I was just kind of like, eh, you know, I, I it doesn't do it for me. Uh, so the stage right after that was stage eight. It was a it was a nice, simple little eighteen round T shaped shooting area. You basically started at a feed on some marks in the middle of the shooting area, and basically the the, the shooting area tempted you to run to the front of the T, shoot that stuff, and then run all the way back, and then stay at the back for the rest of the stage. But basically, from the the back right, you know, the the, the top of the wide blade of the T, you could see one paper target, a full-size popper, and a mini popper. From the the back left, you could see three pieces of paper, and then when you ran to the front, you could see four pieces of paper. So it basically broke down pretty cleanly. You could either shoot four, six, and eight, 
or what I did, which is just to shoot 10 and 8. So basically run to the from that start position, just run up range. That's your only up range movement of the stage. The only really tricky thing there was hey, get the gun out and point it down range before you turn your body to move up range, come into position, shoot the close paper. I did make sure to really settle the sights, especially on that mini popper. The big popper, I mean, it was it was a good shot. It was 15-ish, maybe a little bit further yard. So it was it was a it was a reasonably easy shot on the, the big popper, but the mini, I definitely, knowing that I only had one makeup shot, I, I wanted to make sure and guarantee that that one for one. And and I got that. And really the the only thing remarkable. So yeah, I went from there to the back left, shot those those three pieces of paper. The the way the stage was set up. I think it was, you know, it was done well where basically you couldn't quite, even in that back left position, you couldn't quite see all three paper targets from one spot. And so you either had to shoot one of the targets coming in and it was a tuxedo at maybe seven yards. So it wasn't super far away, but if you're really, if you're really moving, it's easy to drop one in the hardcover, but you basically had the choice. You could shoot that guy coming in or you could come in, set up wide and then try, you know, shoot that guy, the other open paper, and then lean and and see the you couldn't see all of the other open paper but you could see the the whole a zone and and take decent shots on it and so that's that's what i ended up doing was shooting not shooting on the move on the way in which maybe that would have picked up some points but basically shooting as i was settling in on the tux pivot to the open paper lean for for the other open and then drop step and do the reload out of position that stuff all went fine and then this was this was one of the places where i ended up picking up a delta just because coming into that last position, the 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 two paper targets that were a little further away, uh, I just I saw my front sight, I saw the target, but it just was not quite centered in the rear, and I was just I'd sort of committed. I really wanted the speed. I saw the sights, but it wasn't enough, and so I just started breaking shots. And I, you know, in retrospect, I don't really know why I didn't call it. I mean, I, I knew that it wasn't a good call. But there's a certain level of confidence where I should have said, I don't know that it's good, so I need to send another one. And for some reason, I just felt, nah, it's probably fine. And it was on the paper, but it was it was a it was a delta and could have quite easily been a miss. And um, yeah, that was that was definitely one where I was kind of kicking myself. The rest of the stage was fine, but it was just that one that one shot in particular that could have gone quite badly. And even even though it was on paper, it you know cost me a fair number of points for not really that much extra time. Stage nine was my worst stage of the match. And I, I think that was mostly so it was a it was the the pretty big stage. It was twenty-nine rounds, but it it had the the plan that I shot, I basically shot from seven positions. So basically right off the draw, you had a, a piece of open paper and then a really far, like thirty yard, thirty-five yard full-size popper, but it was still a, a fair ways away. And then you moved to kind of the other corner of the shooting area where you had another piece of paper, and then you start to move forward. There were two pieces of paper that that appeared there. I did a reload out of there and went to kind of the front left corner of the, the shooting area where I was supposed to shoot eight shots, four of which were on poppers, and then four of which were on two targets that were double stacked. And from that position, I, I don't... Honestly, to this day, I don't exactly know what was going on, but I was either pulling the trigger weird or something, but I ended up on three of the four steel targets. I shoot at it, start to transition off, and then have to go back because I realize I haven't hit it. And again, I I, I wasn't 
shooting recklessly fast. I, I felt like I had good calls on the on the, the the pieces of steel, and so it's it's almost embarrassing watching myself shoot because it's almost lazy the way I'm transitioning off and then having to come back and kind of confused. And then obviously I start thinking, okay, uh, I'm going to run out of ammo at this position soon, and I did end up shooting to slide lock. So I had three makeups and I used all three of them reload from slide lock and then went to this, this sort of middle position where you could see one target through a, through a narrow port and then sort of to the, over to the right side of the shooting area where you had to shoot two paper targets from one position and then move forward. And you could see uh, another piece of paper, two poppers, and then, and then a final piece of paper. So it was, it was a stage with a lot of movement. I mean, my, my hit factor, my time was not great. Well, let's see. Okay. So yeah, the, the stage winner, had a had a 5.2 hit factor mine was was more like a 3.9 so it was it was definitely a lot of moving i mean 29 rounds is a lot of points but still it was it was a lot of running my final time ended up being 35 seconds 34 and a half and so it, it definitely was slow and the thing that the thing that got me was just the fact that at make ready i realized that i what i didn't have a a spare magazine and it was this was because i was for this match, I just I only had four pouches on my belt. Typically, that's been enough. You know, if you start with one in the gun, you have forty rounds on your belt. That's fifty-one total. And for uh, USPSA matches, even if you're having to reload four times, you know, in a stage, that's that's typically enough. And but I realized that I had put my make ready mag in that fourth pouch rather than carrying it with me to the line and having another ten rounder in that fourth pouch. And so something about that realization that I had no margin for error, that if I fumbled a, a reload, I would have to pick it up. And I just, I had no, no backup. You know, if I went to side lock and had to do a premature reload, I, I couldn't get back on the plan by doing an extra reload. I just, I, I only had exactly the number of, of mags that I needed. And it wasn't, it wasn't because I planned it that way. It was just that if I had 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 that realization 30 seconds earlier, I would have gone to my bag, grabbed another 10 rounder, stuck it in that fourth pouch and just made ready out of my pocket. But for whatever reason, I didn't, you know, that's just one of those kind of being out of the habit, honestly, just kind of complacency from shooting high cap. So, you know, typically in, in carry optics, I would, I would load out of my third pouch and then in a typical carry optic stage, I'm only doing one reload. And so I would always have two reloads on my belt so even if I fumbled one I, I had a spare and so it was just one of those where it was it was just just a total rookie mistake if I had been shooting 10 round production more more recently I probably would have thought about it I would have thought okay this is 29 round stage that means you know and, and I just didn't and so it wasn't a terrible recovery but watching it it's just painfully slow and lackadaisical just because there there isn't that focus I'm obviously spending a lot of my conscious time thinking about something that honestly I can't do anything about. And so I should have just put it out of my mind and moved on. But for whatever reason, that that kind of rattled me. But two stages later, it uh, it, it turned out all right. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Stage 10 was uh, honestly a, a, another kind of pretty straightforward stage. You could start, I believe it was anywhere in the shooting area, but basically everybody was starting... It just at this one spot where you could just see four paper targets, two of them were a little farther away, two of them were a little closer. So you kind of had to do a little bit of a distance change up thing far near, far near. And then from that sort of back right position, you ran to the, the left side where you saw two paper, two steel, and then did a reload out of there to a kind of middle left position where there were three paper. 
and then you did drop to a, a low port where there were four steel and and one piece of paper. So it was a pretty straightforward 8866 type plan. Nothing really too crazy. I made sure to bring my my make ready mag in my pocket this time. And uh yeah, so it was it was it was no issue. The one thing that was somewhat unusual was during the walkthrough, I didn't think to grab my knee pad. I was expecting to put it on to, to shoot the stage, but I just my my plan was just to do to go check out the the low port position, put a knee down, but just do it sort of gingerly so that I wouldn't really end up banging myself up too bad. But after doing it two or three times, just somehow I I ended up cutting my knee and starting to bleed as I'm walking up range. And I was the I believe I was the yeah, I was the first shooter on this stage. And so during the walkthrough, I'm I'm starting to bleed. I go to put on a band-aid, but it was just one of those where yeah, lesson learned on that one to even even at slow speed when you're getting down into position to 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 check out a low port, have your as goofy as it might seem, have your your knee pad on. And for me, again, I was the first shooter up, so why not go ahead and throw it on? I knew I was gonna use it during the stage. I might as well have done it while we were waiting for the the state the, the squad in front of us to clear the stage. So there was really no reason. Again, it was just kind of a, an unforced mental error. Uh, as it was, the the stage ended up going all right. It wasn't great. This was a, an eighty one percent finish, so not my worst, but but definitely not not one of my best. And again, it, I think it was just the combination of being up first and then sort of during the walkthrough being somewhat distracted by having to go run and grab a band aid and and do all that just so I wasn't bleeding all over everywhere. It wasn't like it was it was some terrible wound. I just I didn't want blood running down my leg while I'm trying to shoot. So that one again. Nothing really remarkable, but it it was it was definitely an element where I was I was distracted. I was not a hundred percent in the game. I wasn't really focused on shooting at my maximum, and and so the whatever physical skill I had was not manifested a hundred percent. But then the the highlight of the whole thing was was the very last stage, and because I was last because I was first shooter on the previous stage, this meant I was last shooter on this stage, and because. For whatever reason, this was the one stage that was really running behind all day. Even even with staff reset, they this this one stage for whatever reason was the one that, that was the bottleneck. So we had about an hour wait before we got to shoot it, and I ended up being the last shooter on it. So I think I was the last shooter of the entire match. And I I went into this saying, okay, this is we, we're gonna have. We could see we were gonna have a pretty long wait, and so I wanted, and I knew I was gonna be the last shooter, and so I, in sort of opposition to the last few stages, which honestly, if anything, we were going so quickly and, and, you know, people can say this is a downside of staff reset, but we were kind of going so quickly that part of the reason I hadn't processed some of these, these mental things like, Hey, you're going to need a, you know, a, a magazine in your pocket to make ready on stage nine was because we were just, we were just knocking stages out one after another. We had seven people on our squad. So we were, we were shooting, you know, even at three minutes per shooter, four minute walkthrough, we were shooting a stage, assuming no backups every 25 minutes. So it was, I mean, that part of it is definitely cool, but a staff reset match like this, where you're shooting, you know, 10 stages in a, in a half day format, it definitely challenges your ability to get reset and, and get on to the next stage quickly. And this was sort of the opposite. I knew that we were going to have this downtime. I knew that it was the end of the day. I knew that that the it was going to be easy to just kind of let off the gas and not turn in my best performance. 
And I just I just made sure to not to do that. So while we were waiting, I made sure I was sitting down, hydrating, ate a snack, and just tried to uh, rest to some degree. And then when I was a few shooters up, I literally just jogged across the range, just tried to not not get winded or anything, but you know get get the blood pumping a little bit. And at the same time, this was the stage where it also would have been nice to have a fifth pouch on my belt because it was a 31 rounder with an unloaded start. And so for me with four pouches on my belt, this actually meant unless I wanted to either load, do my first load out of my pocket or try and carry a a spare magazine in one of my pockets, I had no room for error. But the difference between, and this is why I think it's so interesting, the difference between stage nine and stage 11, where this happened is I knew it going in. And so I just visualized that fact into my plan. I just said, I got no room for error. I got to be precise. I got to hit every reload. I can't drop anything. And, and I, I need to go one for one on shots. And I did. And so that was, that was actually really satisfying to say, to go from, you know, stage nine, where not having that fifth pouch, I let it get in my head. Whereas I turned around stage 11, I embraced it. I said, this is I can't do anything to change this. I'm going to make it a part of my plan. And this one actually ended up being my best finish of the whole match. And so it was definitely interesting to to see that ability to even even when given a, a non-ideal set of circumstances incorporated into the stage plan and have, you know, turn even the long break between stages, the the lack of preparation in terms of pouches on my belt, all of that didn't matter, programmed in the stage and executed it exactly to plan no makeups no nothing and it was uh yeah finished very strong i was i was actually weirdly happy about that just because i think most people the expectation is at the end of the day after a long break you're going to be tired you're going to be kind of iced and and i just said no i'm not doing that i'm not going to let that happen and and it worked and so that was that was a, a good note to end the match on and then as soon as we were done there was no tear down so the the way that that Leif ran the match the we shot on on Saturday, so there was a staff shot on Friday. Competitors shot Saturday a.m. or Saturday p.m., and then the everything just stayed up. All the all the stages stayed up, and then anybody that wanted to come back and shoot on Sunday could shoot all ten stages again in any of any division, not just the low cap divisions. But the catch was you then once that match was over, you had to stay and help tear down, which I thought was a, was kind of a neat way to sidestep the the need which at a lot of matches obviously as soon as the arbitration period is over you want to get everything torn down and get people on the road get your staff on the road and so by instead making it something that was a uh, something that the, the local shooters could help with and it meant that even the staff you know then after having this long day of running the morning and afternoon shooters could just go straight to dinner and uh and and be done with it so that worked out well the dinner was cool i do you know, it's, it's just, you roll your dice, you, you take your chances. We just ended up being the last squad done. And so we were, we were the last squad to get to dinner. There was still plenty of food. And so we, we did get to eat, but by the time we got there, most folks had, had, uh, had had a chance to eat. And so we did, I did get a chance, you know, we were there for probably, I don't know, half an hour, maybe before the awards started. And then once the awards wrapped up properly, then, then a lot of folks just took off. So they did, you know, they, they declared, they did the whole by a show of hands, you know, wave arbitration, everybody voted yes. And then they, they started doing all the awards. And then after the awards, they did 
just a, a random draw order for walking the prize table. And once that was done, people people kind of dispersed. And so I, I got the sense, you know, if we'd finished obviously an hour earlier, that would have been an hour more time up at the clubhouse talking to folks, which would have been cool. But again, sometimes you just things things just work out a certain way. But uh, again, I, I think this was a for being a, a level two match with, you know, not necessarily a, a, a gigantic prize table. I think there was one gun that got raffled off, which I mean, that's to me, I, I don't really care about that stuff. To me, I want to shoot a good match. I'm not really interested in buying lottery tickets when I when I go up to matches. I just I want to pay my money and get a good product for it. And if I walk away with some, you know, something that's that's just gravy. But the the whole experience was great, and I would I'd love to do it again. I I wish that more matches were like this. I ended up sitting down and talking to a couple of ROs. Um, obviously, they were they were going to stay for dinner too, and so I, I ended up getting to talk to to two guys that were. I think this was for one of them. It was it was his first match working, and I I think for the other one too probably. But uh, you know it was it was just cool getting to getting to meet folks that that were local to that area that I'd never gotten to shoot with. They'd never come down to North Carolina. Again, I, I feel like it's it's cheesy that I even have to say, hey, having an awards dinner where you can socialize with, with your fellow shooters is cool. I feel like that's weird that I even have to say it, but given that that has become very much not the standard for level two or level three matches, uh, I think there's something missing there. I, I really think there is something to be said for building community in that way among the shooters so that you're not just ships passing in the night. The only people you see are the people on your squad, but but you actually have a chance to build some community and, and you know, make some connections and, and meet some friends that even though they might live a couple states away, you have to some degree more in common with them than a lot of the people that live near you. So I, like I said, I, I don't know what to do about it, but it definitely was cool. Uh, I'd like to see more of it. And, and I, I think, you know, the format of the matches over on Saturday. And so, you know, we just had Sunday to make the eight hour drive home. You know, we weren't in a hurry. We weren't trying to drive through the night. We weren't trying to get off the range quick. We could take our time and hang out. And so just overall, honestly, it was a, it was a really positive memory. And I, I'm going to, I don't know if the match will happen again ne- next year. I don't know if I'll be able to go. I, I would like to, but, but I, this is definitely one of those that I'm going to remember fondly. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's, that's definitely worth remarking on and, and trying to create more memories like that where we can. Well, that wraps up this episode of short course. My email is bennettberryshooting.com. Talk to you next time.